The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome. My name is Andrea, for those of you who I've not met. And I'd like to continue exploring the, um, the five faculties tonight, these five qualities of mind that contribute to the skill of our meditation, contribute to our ability to be present with whatever is happening in our experience. So these five faculties are uh, confidence or faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And uh, I've been exploring the individual faculties in the past few weeks, and what I'd like to do tonight is look at how they work together, how they are used to really meet what happens for us in our, in our practice. In particular, tonight I'd like to talk about how they work with respect to working with something challenging. The... Um, topic that I'd like to explore, the challenging uh, mind state I'd like to explore is fear, worry, anxiety, that flavor of mind state. So um, first I want to just set some context here, you know, why why talk about um, these five faculties with respect to the the, um, quality of fear. And first, the, you know, these five faculties are talked about as being the tools, essentially some of the tools for our meditation. And so I wanted to explore how they are tools, how, how we use them, how they function for us in our meditation. And to also point out that while we're working with something challenging, you know, even when something challenging is arising in our minds, we are simultaneously in our practice, cultivating these very helpful tools, these very helpful qualities of mind. And so we don't have to have a kind of a combative attitude with our difficult states of mind, because even as we're meeting them, even as we're working with exploring fear in our practice, we're also cultivating confidence, and we're also cultivating mindfulness, and we're also cultivating wisdom, and we're also cultivating concentration and energy. So... um, the, uh, these qualities, I mean, sometimes we have this idea that when something challenging is arising in our practice, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, they tell me that it doesn't really matter what I'm supposed to be paying attention to, but that can't possibly be right, and I guess I just have to, like, get through this, and then when I, that's done, when I finally, you know, when this anger is done or when this fear is done, that's when I can really start to practice. At least I know I had that belief. That when, you know, self-hatred was arising, it's like, well, okay, I guess I have to look at this, but this is, this is in the way of practice. But what, I've be, um, what I really um, began to see is that in the very meeting of those experiences, the self-hatred, the anger, the confusion, the fear, the worry, the irritation, the frustration, the boredom, whatever it is, in the very meeting of it, we are deepening in our practice. We are cultivating these skills. And we can begin to recognize how they work in our minds. We can begin to recognize, oh, this is mindfulness of fear. 
And this is how concentration fears actually, feels while I'm actually looking at fear. And this is what confidence feels like while I'm engaged with fear. And so the, the, the ability to begin to recognize these qualities in our mind strengthens them. This is one of the beauties of mindfulness practice. As we become aware, as mindfulness is engaged with um, skillful qualities, as it recognizes wholesome qualities, as it recognizes mindfulness itself, as it recognizes confidence itself, the, uh, the mindfulness creates the condition, strengthens the possibility for those qualities to be more present for us. So that's partly why I wanted to explore it this way, to just kind of highlight that even as we work with fear, so as I, as, as I talk about working with fear, I'm going to be talking about how these qualities show up, how confidence shows up, how energy shows up, so that hopefully you can get the sense of being able to watch and see the, uh, the beautiful things that are coming along for the ride, even as we're working with something challenging. So I think I've said in the past few weeks the the kind of traditional order for these is confidence. And given a kind of a confidence in our practice, we are inclined to engage. So that that confidence leads to energy. Um, The energy is directed towards being present, which leads to this factor of mindfulness becoming stronger. Um, and when energy and mindfulness are connected together, um, it leads to, when there's a kind of a continuity or a con- persistent effort applied towards being mindful, those two together lead to a continuity of mindfulness, which is concentration. And the, all of those together lead us in the direction of being able to see more clearly. So wisdom is the, the fifth often in the Um, in the list. But once we have a little bit of wisdom, once we see with experience, we see how our... um, begin to understand things from this perspective, there's a reinforcement of confidence in what we're doing, and it deepens the spiral. And so these these five can be kind of looked at as a cycle, that the, um, the, uh, the wisdom, once it is, it becomes present, begins to strengthen the confidence. And actually, um, even though confidence is usually stated as the first in the list, I think we actually have to back up to wisdom and start with wisdom because what do we have confidence in anyway? So where do we begin? And uh, in terms of thinking about working with fear, the first thing I'd like to explore is what is it that we need to understand about fear in order to begin to start to work with it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about wisdom here first. Um, Just kind of three kinds of wisdom. That there's a, a kind of wisdom that just is a wisdom that is borrowed or is something that we hear. We hear some teachings, we hear some information, and perhaps that makes sense to us. And so in a couple minutes, I'm going to offer a few thoughts about fear, you know, partly from the, the text, partly from my own experience. What is it that I found helpful in, to know about fear? And so that's information. 
That's information for you. So that's the first kind of wisdom. We take in actual information. And then um, we begin to think about it, massage it, reflect on it. Does it make sense? How might it, how might it work for me? Or um, sometimes bringing in thoughts of wisdom can help to encourage us to meet our experience. And so we reflect on it. We use our minds. We, we um, bring our own intelligence to bear on what we've learned. And this is the second kind of wisdom. It's kind of the wisdom uh, that we are more familiar with in our own lives. You know, we learn some information and then we, know, we learn how to use it ourselves. So this is the second kind of wisdom, the wisdom of reflecting and thinking. And the third kind of wisdom is a wisdom that comes when after reflecting, thinking, after hearing some information, reflecting and thinking, um, we actually begin to understand that wisdom in a kind of an organic way or an internalized way. It isn't something we have to think about anymore. It just is, it kind of naturally comes out of us. So, um, so I was talking about this to somebody the other day, and they, they brought in, for some reason they were talking about driving, and, oh, I remember they, 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 they said that um, you know, they, had to, they had to go take their driver's test, and they were reading and studying the book. And so that, that reading and studying the book is the, you know, the wisdom that we gain. You know, how, do, how do we drive? How do we... What are the rules of the road? So we take those in, we learn them, and then we remember them, we think about them, we practice them in, on the road. And at some point, it becomes very natural to, I mean, it's like, we don't have to really think about it when we pull up to a red light. You know, it's like there's the red light, we stop. You know, it's not like we have to really reflect and think deeply about it. It becomes more internalized. And so likewise with our um, meditation practice, the wisdom becomes more internalized. And this is the kind of wisdom that actually leads to, in our practice, leads to insight, leads to us really, really being able to clearly see for ourselves the truth of this wisdom that the Buddha is offering. So what is it that would be helpful to understand about fear, to just begin in thinking about this, I thought, first of all, it's helpful to recognize that there's different kinds of fear. There's a kind of a primal fear that is, um, uh, you know, the kind of fear that happens when you're in an imminent uh, situation of danger. You know, you're in, um, you're in a, in, a, in a car and, you know, you see somebody's, switch lanes or, you know, you, 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 you um, see that somebody's coming right towards you. You know, there's kind of a very alert sense that happens in that moment. So there's this kind of um, fear that, this kind of primal fear, actually, I find, brings you right into the present moment. So this, is, this isn't really the kind of fear that... Um, I'm going to be exploring much tonight. And, and we don't end up in this kind of fear that often. Um, I find actually the couple of times I have been in a situation like this, that automatic reaction 
of being, becoming like coming right into the present moment actually helped me to navigate that situation fairly skillfully. And I walked up to, um, I was at Spirit Rock and it was dusk and I was walking along the sidewalk and noticed that there was this crack in the sidewalk and I walked right up to it and it turned into a coiled snake and started rattling at me. (laughs) And I was brought right into the present moment and I stopped. And I just sat there and watched my body do its thing. It just took several slow steps backwards, you know. It just did what it... I didn't have to think about it. You know, just like being in that moment, seeing the snake, the body just backed up. So there is a kind of a fear um, that just brings you right into the present moment. But this is, this is not our, the way that we... It's not the typical kind of fear that we actually have, although we tend to, I think, project onto our situations a... It's like our minds think this is a really threatening situation, but it's actually more threatening. It's not so physically threatening, it's more threatening to a sense of who we are. It's threatening to a sense of me. It's threatening to a sense that I'm the kind of person who. Um, so it's, you know, somebody has, a, has a, an opinion about you and is expressing their opinion. And it's like, whoa, if that person has that opinion, then um, I can't. You know, maybe then I can't do this or that, or if that person thinks that, then, then maybe I have to leave this job. Or you know, so, so there's a kind of a, a feeling of a threat that's not a threat so much to our physical being, but a threat to our sense of who we are. So this is a, this is a, a kind of fear that we have. It's, it's generally generated, it's a fear that's generated in our minds based on Ideas, thoughts, histories, based on a, a feeling of who we are, of who we want to be, based on beliefs. So it's a, there's this kind of generated fear. And this is more, I think, the area where um, our meditation practice can really begin to, to make some... Um, can touch into and, and help us to understand. Um, then there's... Um, Actually, a skillful fear. There's a, a kind of fear that's talked about in the... that the Buddha talked about that's a kind of a fear that we might harm someone. That there's a you know, the kind of fear of doing something that would cause harm. This is a... Um, kind of a skillful fear. And, and the, the, a good translation, or a translation I like of this term which I think it's Hiri in the... Um, oh, actually, it might be Otapa. I think Hiri is the um, regret or the remorse of having done something. And Otapa, I believe, is the sense of being concerned or you know, a, a sense of, of conscience that um, we want to be careful in stepping forward and how we act. So this is essentially um, a kind of a fear of the consequences of doing something unhelpful or doing something hurtful. That, that's a kind of a skillful kind of fear. So different kinds of fear that are out there. This primal fear that I think brings us right into the present moment, this generated fear 
that has often to do about a sense of self. Uh, thoughts generally have some thoughts that are coming into play around it. And then this skillful fear um, that kind of can come up if we, in our minds, think about doing something and might see that it would be harmful. There, there might be a sense of, oh, don't want to do that, that can be felt as a kind of fear, a, a skillful kind of fear. So mostly I'm going to talk about this, um, this generated fear, this, this second kind of fear in terms of exploring it with these five faculties. So this kind of fear brings a sense of unease. You know, something's not right when we have this sense of this is a problem, you know, I'm feeling like um, threatened in some way. Um, you know, your, your, your boss gets mad at you and it's like, oh no, you know, if, if my boss gets mad at me three times, then I get this performance review. And, you know, so the mind might go into that kind of fear, worry, anxiety, this kind of flavor of thing. So fear brings with it a sense of unease, a sense that something's off, that something's wrong. This sense of offness, this sense of something's wrong is, it's dukkha. It's this, the Buddha uh, used this term dukkha to refer to states of uh, hmm, offness, we could say. You know, they could be really off, you know, like feeling like, um, you know, the, the, the sense of fear, real strong fear, anxiety, uh, dread. Um, you know, you've had a, um, a diagnosis of uh, a very um, possibly fatal illness and, you know, a lot of fear coming up there. Uh, a lot of anxiety. So, you know, it's, it, the, the dukkha comes on a range from that end down to just this little subtle anxiety of um, um, a thought flitting through the mind that, that says, oh, I forgot to do that. And then just a little clinch of anxiety around that. You know, just this wide range of states of mind. But this... Um, the Buddha talked about this, this kind of mental reactivity as being dukkha. And the main thing the Buddha said about dukkha, that this comes right back to wisdom here, you know, we're talking about what it's helpful to understand. The Buddha said, actually, it's really helpful to understand dukkha, to um, understand suffering. This is the first noble truth. This is the... Um, uh, a kind of the whole way the practice begins, that we need to not understand it so much intellectually, but begin to understand it in our um, experience. And so this, this teaching, this wisdom teaching, understand dukkha, is a teaching that suggests that it's helpful to observe fear, to get to know it, rather than acting on it. So this is a a key bit of wisdom that the Buddha offers us around fear. That with any difficult state, it's helpful to recognize it as something that's happening. 
in our experience, as a, as a process that's happening in our experience, rather than acting on it. So we can have fear coming up around, um, you know, fear comes up and we sometimes might orient our actions around, how do I take care of this problem? You know, when fear comes up, sometimes it feels like there's something felt as a problem, and the orientation might be acting on it so that we can um, solve the problem. So the Buddha actually suggests some of the wisdom here is to recognize the experience of fear itself. Turn towards the fear. The kind of the middle way, the Buddha talked about the middle way, would be neither uh, repress the fear. So it's not about saying, go away fear. So neither repressing the fear nor acting on it. It's a kind of a very delicate middle ground of allowing the feeling of fear, meeting it with mindfulness, but not allowing it to um, motivate our actions, at least for some periods of time. Sometimes fear does contain wisdom. I mean, there can be um, some, some um, you know, in a situation, um, you know, a certain sense of uh, vulnerability that comes up, and a sense that I need to take care of myself in this situation. And there, can, there may well be some wisdom to that. So one of the pieces around fear is beginning to tease apart the, um, the wise information or the wise piece of that fear from the uh, reactive piece of the fear. And beginning to kind of recognize, yes, there is a vulnerability here. So, yes, my boss got mad at me, and it may be that I'm going to get this performance review, so how can I... So, so there's that, that kind of recognition of um, the situation of vulnerability. And the reactivity might be felt as kind of panic or fear or um, confusion or dread. And the wisdom part of it might be Hmm, okay, how can I meet this situation and what, what kind of um, things do I need to learn from my boss about what he's actually concerned about, what he or she's actually concerned about? So there can be some wisdom in, uh, in that reaction that, okay, something needs to happen here. The reactivity is optional. The uh, fear may be providing a sense of um, information that need to get some more information. So this is part of understanding fear. Seeing how part of the situation is reactivity. And part of it is actually, you know, a meeting of this moment, a meeting of the situation. So it's also helpful sometimes to understand that sometimes fear can be overwhelming. And Fear can be a very powerful emotion, hard to uh, meet. Sometimes fear can be one of those rabbit hole kind of emotions. You know, it's like when uh, it gets strong, um, it's like it's got all of these tentacles and it's just pulling you right in. And that all of that power, that momentum behind the fear, 
uh, can just be a black hole for the mindfulness. You know, it just it just sucks the it's like the black hole is this thing in space that sucks light into it. It's got such a powerful pull. It, it, even light can't escape its pull. So the um, sometimes mindfulness gets pulled into powerful fear. So if that's happening, if you see that your fear around something is that strong, that's a good time to say, okay, maybe I shouldn't try to be mindful of that fear. If trying to be mindful of that difficult state of mind, if trying to be mindful of that fear pulls you into it, then that's not the time to try to bring mindfulness to it. So that's some wisdom. We have to know for ourselves when we can meet it. In my own um, experience, I tend to approach a difficult emotion. If I can be mindful of it, it doesn't matter if it's unpleasant. If I can actually be conscious while it's happening and know that it's happening while it's happening, that's a pretty good indication that it's okay to be with that. It can be unpleasant as long as I'm able to be mindful, as long as I'm present while it's happening. If I see repeatedly that while I'm trying to be present for it, I get lost in the story of it, I get sucked into the story of it, that's not so helpful. So that's wisdom, that's discernment that we need to have for ourselves to learn that distinction. So, um, fear also results, so there's another bit of wisdom that's helpful to recognize around fear. Fear results from conditions. It's not a random event in our lives. There are circumstances in the outer world, circumstances in our mind that kind of come together, and uh, fear arises. Now that fear will arise... um, Differently for different people, like some people might meet a certain outer circumstance and have no fear about it. I remember when I was about 10 years old, I walked, there was this this 10 meter diving platform at the pool where we went in the summer. And I looked up at that and said, oh, that looks like fun. You know, people go up and jump off that. That looks like fun. So, you know, I went up there. I I watched people doing it. It's like, yeah, that looks like fun. I want to do that. You know, and I walked up to the top of the platform and I stood up there at the edge of that platform and I looked down and it was a long way down. You know, it's like 30 feet up there. So it was a long way down. And looking at it, it's like, I, I felt like, I was going to, like, the pool looked so tiny from up there that I thought I would just jump over the pool and hit the pavement. So fear was enormous in that situation. And I stood there for the longest time, I don't know how long, maybe as, many, as much as a minute, you know, that, that I stood there. And um, the fear was so overwhelming that I just, I just had, to, I had to walk down. I had to, to, to leave. I could, I could not do it. Now, clearly, it wasn't a situation that created fear for everyone. I mean, they walk up there, they jump off, you know. So, different people will meet different circumstances. Some people will meet the circumstance with fear, others not. In that situation, fear arose in my mind. So, um, fear is conditional. Probably partly, partly conditioned on the outer circumstances, but largely conditioned on the circumstances of our minds. 
largely conditioned on thoughts, ideas, opinions, views. So recognizing that, recognizing that fear is conditioned, that's a bit of information that the Buddha says. This is helpful information to recognize that it is conditioned. It's, it's often generated from thoughts. And this is something we can check into in our own experience. You know, we can, we can see, um, you know, we're kind of going along fine and, you know, not particularly feeling much fear and then, or anxiety and suddenly we remember something. You know, there's a memory of something hap- that, that, that uh, maybe we're supposed to do or that somebody told us, uh, oh, that might happen and we, that thought arises in our mind and then suddenly it's like, Oh my gosh, what about that thing? Oh no. And then the emotion arises. The fear in that situation was conditioned not on actual outer circumstances, but the arising of a thought. The thought arose and the mind reacted to that thought with emotion. That's a very common way for difficult emotions to arise. So fear can be generated from thoughts that arise. Probably one of the most common ways is thoughts arise in the mind and fear follows. Um, um, also might be generated by other emotions. You know, so for instance, we might have um, uh, a kind of a feeling of being threatened by or a sense like for, perhaps in childhood, you know, that might have been in childhood that... Um, when we, I, I think, you know, I actually had somebody mention this the other day, that when they got happy, in, they, they got targeted by um, siblings, and, you know, so that, so that there was a, a kind of a way in which they began to feel afraid of having happiness. And that that pattern kind of can carry through, that, you know, there's, there's happiness that comes up, and then it's like, ooh, you know, fear. So sometimes fear can arise conditioned on other emotions. Might be that way for you. Um, sometimes it, fear can also come kind of more as a pre-verbal thing. And sometimes fear may have been uh, formed or there may have been a very good reason to be afraid before we really had language. Um, and so there, there can be just the uh, you know, maybe there's just a, a state that we get into that's similar to a condition again from when we were a baby, and we don't have any words for it. But uh, you know, but people who have taught, who've, who've had actually um, trauma in the womb, you know, people who who uh, you know. A parent was in a car accident while they were in the womb. You know, there's, there's possibly um, some states that they could find themselves in that would trigger a kind of a fear where they would have no clue any words or any um, logical reason why they would go there. Again, conditioned based on history, but not history that's conscious, not history that's... Um, able to be tapped into from words. So one of the um, pieces of wisdom here that's helpful to, to see is in the fact that 
uh, fear is conditioned. There are causes that come together to create it. The, and largely, I mean, there's the outer circumstances that we react to, but there's also a piece in our own minds that, that's coming into the creation of that fear. So that given that those pieces come together, there's the possibility that those causes or that those con- conditions can be shifted and changed in our minds. We, we, we may not be able to affect the outer conditions, but we can begin to turn how our minds relate to those experiences. So, given some of this information, um, reflecting on this information, thinking about it, um, learning about it, may give you, I hope, a little bit of sense of interest or um, curiosity about what might it mean to explore this in my own mind. What might that mean? And that kind of interest in beginning this exploration, I mean, the the whole of the Buddhist path is not just about learning information, but about engaging. It's about actually turning towards in our own experience and exploring the teachings in, in our own experience. Very practical, the teaching of the Buddha. It's really, I think of it as a way of life. It's, it's not so much about believing, it's about exploring in our own experience, verifying in our own experience the truth of what the wisdom that the, the Buddha offers. So perhaps this might generate a sense of interest or a sense of willingness to engage in exploring our own fear. This um, is the beginning of the quality of confidence, of faith. A kind of willingness to say, hmm, maybe it would be helpful to, rather than letting myself be run by fear when it happens, let's see what happens if I look at it instead. That is a moment of being willing to engage, and that's kind of the basic beginning of confidence. The confidence in the possibility of our own capacity to meet experience. And maybe even some confidence in the benefit of doing it. So we try, maybe we try, we begin to explore looking at this in our own experience. We may begin to actually taste the benefits of this. And as we begin to explore in our own experience, and in my, in my own practice, I, I've seen that there's a, a saying um, that the Dharma is good in the beginning, good in the middle, good in the end. And what's so amazing is that when we are willing to take that step with confidence to begin to explore, it actually doesn't take long before we start to recognize just how powerful this stuff is. It's pretty amazing, the potency of turning towards witnessing our experience. We may begin to just get a little shift, a little sense of, oh, actually, I can look at this fear. It's not so big a deal when I actually acknowledge it. So that begins to give us a little sense of verified confidence, the sense that, oh, maybe this actually is helpful. 
And that further supports confidence. So learning to recognize this feeling of confidence. First of all, the willingness. Okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to give this a try. Um, a sense, perhaps, oh yeah, this, this makes sense to me. You know, I'd like to work with this. So just that kind of feeling. And then uh, another way that it's felt as we begin to get more um, connected to the practice is a sense of confidence that, yes, here's something arising and mindfulness can meet this. Now, at this point, there's very little... Um, I used to be afraid of certain states of mind. Maybe, maybe you've experienced that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, oh no, that's coming up. Oh no, you know, uh, and kind of afraid of our own minds. And at this point, you know, it's like there's there's a strong for me. There's a strong sense of mindfulness can meet anything. So there's not that sense of fear of my own mind anymore. So that's a feeling of confidence. Mindfulness can meet this too. That mindfulness can meet this too. Or at least be, be able to recognize those moments, as I said earlier, you know. There are definitely times when, yep, okay, I see when mindfulness tries to meet this, it gets sucked in. So let's, you know, let's not, let's not go there. So a confidence in our own discernment as well of when we can engage and when to set something aside. So as our confidence builds, as we um, uh, are even interested in in engaging with working with fear, we begin to actually do it. That's energy applied to the practice. So that's, that's the actual energy directed towards the observation of fear. It's, um, it's just this, it, it's the kind of um, aliveness, the sense of activity, of doing. Um, and yet it doesn't have to feel like it's me that's doing it. So there can be a sense of... Um, Engagement that feels very easeful. That, that initial engagement does feel like we need to take some action, bring that persistence, that gentle kind of persistence I was talking about in the guided meditation, just over and over again, gently, persistently. Meet this fear. Oh, okay, yep, it's fear. Just gently bring the energy uh, to meet that experience. So this gentle persistence. Somebody I was talking to earlier today actually pointed out that with fear, this is an interesting piece, um, with fear generally there is energy in the mind. Fear does not tend to be a dull state of mind. You know, we, it, it might be a kind of an energy that's contracted inward. It could be an energy that's spinning outwards depending on the... Anxiety may be more an inward kind of energy. Um, uh, fear about an outer situation may be more of an outward kind of energy. But when there is fear, it, there's probably some energy in the mind. And so we might be able to, seeing that, if we begin to get um, um, familiar with the feeling of energy, it's kind of like we can do an Aikido move on that energy. It's like, okay, fear is arising, and there's that energy that's associated with fear. It's kind of like... I sometimes 
look at it as like leaping on the back of a wild horse, you know? It's like, here's that energy charging off towards fear, and can mindfulness connect with that energy and then be um, kind of, then when we've leapt on the back of that wild horse, we may have an opportunity to kind of steer it. It's like the Aikido of taking the energy of something that's coming at us and directing it in a skillful way. So with uh, fear, there may be some energy that's available in the state of mind that can be directed towards the energy of meeting the state, knowing the state, instead of being ruled by the state. And then there is mindfulness. This, uh, the next faculty I've been talking about mindfulness all along. It's hard to talk about, um, you know, meeting an experience like fear without actually, without, you know, not without mentioning mindfulness. And that, I think, points to the way they all intertwine. That mindfulness, energy, uh, confidence, wisdom, and um, concentration all support each other. They're interlocking kinds of faculties in our mind. That the energy that we um, cultivate is energy towards mindfulness. That's connected with the wisdom that mindfulness is a helpful support for meeting our experience and guiding us in a direction to let go of how our minds get stuck. So the wisdom talks about how mindfulness is helpful. The confidence is... um, in the being able to engage with the mindfulness. The energy is directed towards cultivating that mindfulness. So the mindfulness is this ability to be present in the present moment. And it's not simply about presence. It is mindfulness joined with wisdom. It is a particular kind of mindfulness that in this case begins to recognize fear as a state of mind that is arising in the present moment. That is seeing it as a phenomena that's happening in the mind rather than being uh, pulled into the story of mindfulness, to be pulled into the belief, I'm I'm pulled into the story of fear, the, uh, the belief of what that fear represents. But to see... It is, oh, fear is happening right now. Fear is happening right now. That's the kind of turn. We, rather than kind of having our attention go on, there's fear and what is this fear about and what do I need to do about this fear and how do I take care of myself? How do I fix this? How do I change this? What does it feel like to have fear? That's a kind of, that there's wisdom that the Buddha suggests, that's a helpful approach. Now that takes a leap of faith, that takes some confidence. You know, the first time I heard that kind of instruction, it's like, well, what good's that going to do? And it took a leap of faith to try it, and pretty quickly, as I said, Dharma's good in the beginning, the middle, and the end. There was a confirmation of the benefit of that, why it is helpful. It can create a sense of space. 
One of the things we see as we turn our mindful attention towards the fear is that cycle between the generation of thoughts and fear. We see this feedback loop that happens between thoughts that arise in our mind and fear and then that fear then generating more thoughts and then that, those thoughts generating more fear. It's like this factory of thoughts producing fear, producing thoughts. And so we see this factory at work And in the movement to turn towards the actual experience, pay attention. What is it like in the body? See if you can let go of the projection of thoughts in the mind. What is it like in the body? That movement of turning towards the experience, what is it like to be a person that's experiencing fear? That that movement tends to kind of cut at least some of the proliferation of thoughts and maybe even can stop the proliferation of thoughts from that fear for a few moments or even a minute or two. And in seeing that, just being with the fear in and of itself, not following the thoughts, we begin to get a little bit of space around it. There's a sense of, oh, this is, this is just fear. And we also see that the not getting hooked into the thoughts keeps the fear at a more manageable level. It's not spiraling out of control so much. There's one um, neurobiologist who talks about... Um, how the cycle of um, emotions tends to work that, you know, thoughts, there's an emotion and then thoughts will generate a kind of a, an engagement in the mind that creates a kind of a flush of hormones through our system. And um, that flush of hormones is felt as an emotion and then perhaps more thoughts. That it's like you're pushing a button that says release those hormones, you know, when, with the thoughts. It's like the thoughts are the trigger to push the button to release the hormones. And um, that cycle, it's like we tend to keep the cycle going because we think about it. You know, we create the image in our mind, the emotion arises, and phew, there's the flush of emotion again. So it, it tends to be this feedback loop. Um, what she said as a neurobiologist that she knew about this process of the hormone release in her, in the mind, and this was something she was exploring in her own mind, she said, I know that when that flush of hormones goes through the system, it will dissipate within 90 seconds if an additional hit of hormones is not given. And so if you can hang out with your feeling without having the thoughts create another hit of that, it should only take 90 seconds before you feel it begin to dissipate. Now, it's all, that's a long time. I mean, 90 seconds is actually a long time to, to do that. But it, I think even knowing that little bit of information, is, it's interesting, it's helpful. And I can sometimes see that, um, you know, I'm hanging out with something, Time, a time when there's a particularly charged situation. I had one the other day where I was feeling defensive, and um, I felt the defensiveness rise, and it's like, oh, there's defensiveness. Okay, defensiveness is happening, and I'd feel it kind of settling. 
and it was there, and then whoop, there was a little lapse of mindfulness, and then there was the memory of that conversation, and then whoop, the defensiveness rose again. It's like, okay, another 90 seconds. Let's see how long I can be with this. So, you know, just kind of playing with it. Um, You know, just be playful. Be playful in that observation. So in this... um, Experience, you know, when we as we begin to get tastes of the uh, release that happens, a little bit of space around an emotion, for perhaps you know, so fears arising. Oh, this is fear. As we can be present with it and not caught into the emotions of it, there is often a feeling of space around the, the, the fear. This is a little bit of realized wisdom. So we're kind of looping back to wisdom. Now this, this, um, this comes, you know, when I was talking about kind of hanging out with the emotion for 90 seconds, that's, that's going to be um, challenging. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can sustain the mindfulness the more that we begin to to get that sense of ease or space around our difficulties. Um, That kind of continuity that comes when the the mindfulness can meet that experience without going back into the thought, that's concentration. When the the mind can kind of hang and hover with that experience, that's the, the continuity of mindfulness, that's one definition of concentration. It doesn't have to be concentration focused on, like, um, our breath. It can just be the mind's capacity to meet fear for 90 seconds. You'll begin to feel that sense of continuity, the sense of able to be stable with that experience. If you can be stable with uh, an experience like that for 90 seconds, you will actually feel the, some of the stability there. And you'll begin to experience a sense of space around it. I'm sure many of you have felt this. Most of you have probably felt this sense of when you're able to just, oh, this is just fear. And that shift is that... Um, that last kind of wisdom that we talked about, that, that kind of wisdom that is the, the actual recognition of... It's not just that, that um, somebody has said to you, you know, fear is just a state arising in the mind. You get a sense of what it is to know fear is just a state arising in the mind and how helpful that is. And you feel the benefit of that. That's a... Um, kind of the wisdom of insight. So we cycle back to wisdom and the process keeps going. As we get little tastes like that, we see moments of perhaps seeing how a thought will trigger us into reactivity of fear. We may see that happen. And in the seeing of that condition created, the mind may recognize, oh, look at that. I don't have to choose to go that way. So there can be, um, again, that wisdom of the causes and conditions that come into play around the creation of fear. 
It becomes something we see in the moment, not just an idea in our minds. And so this wisdom then encourages more exploration and we keep going. There's more of an interest or a confidence. At one point, I, I so clearly saw, this was very early in my practice, in the very beginning of my practice, I so clearly saw the benefit of mindfulness in seeing how uh, a thought triggered a strong emotion. And in that seeing, there was a huge leap of confidence in the practice. It's like, wow, you know. And, and actually what the mind saw in that moment was that the, the thought tending to trigger an emotion, but choosing not to go there. That, that the mind just decided, oh, you know, that way lies suffering. I've been there. I know what, I know what it feels like to go there. And it just let it go. So the... Um, uh, that experience of seeing the benefits so clearly in the moment just kind of sent my confidence, made my confidence really strong. And that moment is like, wow, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I, I kind of like intuitively knew I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. This is, this is powerful stuff. So the, these insights that we see as we apply the practice then fuels they fuel the practice in their turn and so we can begin to see that as we work with even something difficult like fear how these all of these qualities confidence energy mindfulness concentration and wisdom are being developed and that uh, awareness of that, that kind of seeing of those qualities in turn strengthens them. So I've talked the whole time again. <laughs> and I'll have yet another perspective on the five faculties next week. <laughs> so thank you for your attention.